Hey, the show starts right now. We're guys, here. Pay attention. We oh my made goodness. It. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's all three of us. Yeah. It is. For the yeah. first time this year. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Wow. I, I feel like Pleased I haven't you here. I haven't been on a show with you all in like four months or something. Or three months, I think, actually. It, it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You look good. Hashtag team. That's good. <laughs> this, this is how we do it. It's like we, we, we pull through. Yeah, we're Muscle here. Through. We're yeah. doing stuff. And you know how else is here? Hot Mike. <laughs> Hot Mike is here. He's pressing buttons and uh, turning knobs and making it uh, making it work. Yeah. yeah. Turning knobs. The new, the new really? nickname. <laughs> Hot Mike tur- always turns my knob. I mean, oh, my goodness. It's, it's you guys. Warm in here. Come on, getting everyone. Calm here. down. Set, set the sprinklers off. Um, so that, since it is the first time that we've all been together um, this year, like, um, let's do a little check-in. Like, how are people doing? What's been going on? Any um, any cool harm reduction stuff? Well, Anyone been doing any of that? Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I've been What's in that? North Carolina and Indiana doing some trainings for different harm reduction places and got to visit some really incredible programs. Um, what are the... The laws are probably pretty terrible compared to here in a lot of well, those places. Well, interesting yes. in Indiana... Um, just like you know, not to, I mean, um, block your check-ins. I no, because oh, we'll, cir- we'll circle back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just curious because, like, you know, it's, well, I yeah. mean, there was, the, I mean, basically, there was the HIV outbreak that uh, yeah. allowed them to do syringe exchange. Well, uh, next year, it's set to expire, and the legislature they uh, tried to do to end the expiration, um, and I believe 22 Republicans uh, blocked. Um, it, yeah, that sounds right. Because that was uh, that was Pence's, Pence's state. state yes. Yeah, yeah. And and and, 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 and it was the temporary. Solution. So if that does go away, they have so they have several programs that would then just shut in, down. Shut down because most of them. So the way it works in Indiana is you have to be contracted. Apparently, you can cure HIV in like two years. Is that yeah. how it works? By not doing. <laughs> Real thing. That's what, uh, that's what Pence told us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it looks so trustworthy. Mm, those are the ears. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more of like the perfect, here. the perfect hair. Like oh his hair God. is just always so perfect. And he's got that like lovable, oh, I'm a stupid doll looking face. And he's remember, like, he's not allowed to be around women alone. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, that's right. He can't <laughs> eat with them because that's uh, sexy he's, He does have like a, a, like a GW part two Bush looking a thing bit. going on yeah. like with the ears but don't you think for me it's and easy. the drug war thing you know it's like <laughs> I just, then there's it's that. the same so I just have a question this is a totally real random moment and we'll get back to actual substance but do you think he's not allowed to be around women alone because he is like a sex addict or do you think it's because he's like terrified of them religion that <laughs> I, is what I think <laughs> I am gonna say that it's both Weird because he's, he's got that look of like oh like I don't know what I would do and then like the lights go down and Barry White comes up and the and, bondage like, the, the bondage table oh my right. and, like that weird like tropical candle smell just permeates the room oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle this back so that's I'm gonna circle this back so welcome back folks so anyway so, Indiana, uh, Indiana yeah um, so it was, you know, I, uh, it, so it's basically have to be I'm oversimplifying things. No, but, of course. Um, but it, it has to be run through a public health department, um, and places like Indiana Recovery Alliance, which sure. I was there to visit. What they do is, uh, it's, it's a subcontract way that they do it, um, where a public health official is there, mm-hmm. um, 
Um, and so they have one employee that happens to be there, but Indiana Recovery But they're Alliance. like a community-based program. Yeah, they're basically, basically. a community-based program. Okay. And, you know, they're, they have the <clears throat> van like Chicago Recovery Alliance uh, does it. And for folks who don't know, Chicago Recovery Alliance um, was one of the early, I don't know if they were the first, who did these big, giant bread trucks yeah. um, where mm. you kind of came in, you were, and, and the back was like, had a sliding door so you could do testing and they do flu shots and like that kind of mobile medical van mm-hmm. um, that you uh, think of now. The mobile medical, uh, similar to almost the med- mobile medical unit that we have in King County. Right, um, yeah, they're pretty That big. has more medical stuff than... Than syringe exchange, um, yeah. But smaller, because the one that we have here is like super huge, No, right? yeah, smaller. Yeah. And, okay. Um, and uh, so they have a they they have a similar one yeah. uh, there, um, and they've kind of redesigned it for their own sure. needs. Um, and... It's, uh, you know, I, I can tell you that they, they have a lot of compassionate people. And the one thing I find interesting in the Indiana is they were working there and involved there. There were a lot more. It was the thing that made, I think, people frustrated is there were a lot of Republicans who worked in, in the syringe exchange and supported the syringe exchange system. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting because they're actively advocating essentially to their own party. Yeah. Because Indiana is, is not as historically liberal. No. Uh, Really? Um, state Indiana? and so you know like i was red. talking to, you know i was talking to this man who was a marine vet who was you know he told me he was ashamed and it was his party he assumed the democrats were going to be the one who who blocked it and i you know we're not trying to make a this a political whose fault it is but it's uh, just interesting because classically the syringe exchange has been supported by like the left well i think it's more liberal. well I, I, I actually think it's slightly different it's supported by the far left and the far right um, and it's the middle who've not really been involved in it, right? Because there's the libertarian side of the Republican Party definitely is like government mm-hmm. out of your lives, you know, and the community is always going to be better than government. And so, like, you know, how People's Harm Reduction Alliance and the community-based yeah. things, I think the far right have always been necessarily maybe even more against public health departments doing things because that's government, right? Um, the government far reach. They, yeah. they also, yeah. like, just, just like a like um, experiencing stuff with Idaho Harm Reduction Project. Like they don't have a lot of rules on them because Idaho is a red state. And yeah. they're like, oh, we don't want a bunch of rules like when it comes to this. So they just kind of get to do what they want. They don't have nearly as many rules about syringe exchange as we do here, which is, I find interesting. Like, like and, and you know, they're, they're contracted and they're public health. So they're like, you know, and you would think, oh, it's going to be very strict. But yeah, it's very much like, no, just, do the thing and give us the numbers and that's the amount of involvement we want in that. So it is interesting, I think, to just like, you know, yeah, I mean, there's like good things on both sides, but also, I mean, concerning syringe exchange, I want to be clear, just that. <laughs> like, um, and potatoes. They've got lots okay, of good potatoes. Okay, yes. Um, is but, that a stereotype? Yeah, it is. And I'm going to go with it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, so... So anyway, with Indiana. Yeah, so people who don't know, I don't, what was the, I can't remember the county where there was a... Scott. Scott County. Okay, yeah, so there was just a, a HIV outbreak, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago? God, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a, there. you know, it was really connected to that pill mill. Yeah. yeah, it was that pill mill. Um, so it was like that thoroughweigh through to like major the Appalachian, cities. Appalachian, yes. you know. Um, yeah, and, and then to Appalachia. But the thing was, is like they didn't have syringe exchange, right? That yeah. was the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, you know, um, when we talk about the heroin, quote unquote, heroin epidemic, mm-hmm. it really is an Appalachian um, kind of corridor uh, 
that's where it kind of really comes out. Those pill mills and all that systems. Uh, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma kind of, City has classically been the launching point for like all drugs to go into Appalachia in the Midwest and the South. Like it's kind of the tr- that transfer point. Yeah. Um, between the two, which is interesting, and I don't know. Way to call out Oklahoma City. Well, what everybody <laughs> does? Everybody not you, know this. You, know, you got to be first for something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like, mean the Coma got the syringe exchange. Oh my god! Like, uh, Idaho or uh, Oklahoma City gets uh, the. Uh, this is not best like a, this is not like a new <laughs> thing. This is like you know, but I've like you know, there's lots of people who have you know travel around like coming from like a sort of punk rock train hopper background. Like and there and the thing is is like if you go to Oklahoma City, don't be obvious. Don't just don't use while you're in Oklahoma City because you, you are going to get sent to jail forever if you get caught. Like it's a real thing. So because it is like this hub um, where things are, you know, they just kind of go out. Things yeah. to learn in this program. Yeah. Yeah. Weird, right? Well, I feel like you have to know some things if you're gonna <laughs> work within the things. You know, you have to know what's yeah. going on. Um, things that can't be transferred into, you know, like, uh, I don't know, papers and um, stats and stuff like that. Just stuff you would know from the streets. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, on my travels, I can tell you the thing that I find really interesting is someone who's been in doing this field now for like 25 years, there was, you know, there was that kind of first uh, era of syringe um, access programs that were really started in major metropolitan areas Uh and, 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 you know, major areas. economic hubs and sure and and then there was kind of that next wave and, and it was something that i think you know that people who are from washington um uh, all seven of us um should be really proud um <laughs> because huh um the unicorn in the room yeah yeah <laughs> um and because like we did syringe services in a really unique way mm-hmm. because yes tacoma was the first one and you know the first the, legal one the first legal uh <laughs> First funded syringe exchange program, and you know, Seattle uh, was forced to was a little embarrassed and had to then you know make that happen. <laughs> Sometimes like Tacoma's that helps. doing it, yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> and there's pressure from like ACT UP and other yeah. community yeah. Yeah. activists. So yeah, but then you know, not that you think within ten years of that day, um, you know, there's a lot of rural programs and a lot of places mm-hmm. in this. Uh, state that you wouldn't necessarily be uh, you would think would be this economic hub or be these pressure points that have uh syringe services in fact most people don't realize for most of the uh era of us counting syringe exchange programs and putting that all into data washington state was a third of the country of yeah. needles given out and that was not because seattle did this huge amount no. of numbers i mean seattle did Close to around 50, Seattle, and I, when I define Seattle, I mean Seattle and King County. Good call. Um, and so they did roughly an 50%. That means 50% were done outside of the major metropolitan area. And there isn't like, Washington's second city isn't equivalent size of Seattle. Yeah. Right. 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 So it's no, those yeah. smaller groups, those smaller <laughs> communities, like stepping up and providing service. There's so many of them, too. Like, I don't think people realize how many, like, syringe exchanges are in Washington State. And there how big are they are. a lot. And like, typically, uh, in almost every county. Yeah, and and typically, uh, are there any counties that don't have any? There are. Yeah, but just a few. Just a few. I think Lincoln and County. I think does. they're out in the middle <laughs> somewhere. Um, um, but yeah, and I think you know you think about this in access point, right? And we you know we talk about stigma a lot here. But if I'm a drug user, whether it be 1990s or today, living in Seattle, mm-hmm. right? 
if I have a little money, I can go to a pharmacy um, and buy my syringes, right? Yeah, absolutely. With a little, very little... There's going to be some stigma. There might be some hoops, but there's... There, depending, uh, depending on the pharmacy. On the pharmacy. The, 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 neighborhood. the pharmacist yeah. is unlikely to know my parents. Yes. Right? Unlikely to be know my neighbors, right? right? Or to I, be your parents. Yeah. Or your I'm, neighbors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'm in Ellensburg and I want to go to... The handful of pharmacists that are in that town, yeah, and I'm, and you know, be accused of being a drug user. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be really detrimental. So the the syringe services programs are more likely to be serving the bigger, fuller population of drug users in those sure. rural communities than, let's say, the metropolitan area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think rural programs are actually more important than metropolitan programs when actually accessing service. Yeah, right. Well, I'm not saying that they're not important no. in metropolitan areas, but we're but metropolitan areas are generally saturated with loss of services. You know, so when you get into those rural areas, like there's one service. Oh, you know, I, I mean, I've been in and meetings, that's it. I've been in, in meetings with the state where they talk about like like you know men who have sex with men. Right, all programs should be in Seattle and Capitol Hill. Because that's where all the gay people will eventually go to. Well, apparently they haven't been out in yeah. the world yeah. <laughs> for a while. And, and, and I was like, really? We're, we're saying to an entire population that it, your only safe place and your only point of entry is going to be the, a stereotype of, like, you must go to the gay Do they still think that all the lesbians live in West Seattle, too? <laughs> I thought it was Wallingford. Oh, it was West Seattle no, for a I, while. Uh, it was Columbia yeah. City, man. Columbia City. See, it's things change. So the lesbians are more fluid. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Well, yeah. I, I think that that speaks to like the uh, which we also talk about on this show quite a bit. You know, as the city is growing up, and and the prices of the uh, cost of living mm-hmm. in the city is really expensive. Folks are getting pushed out everywhere. So mm-hmm. I think like for the men who have sex with men or MSM, as we we say. Um, they're getting pushed out of the city. They can't afford Capitol yeah, Hill anymore. Absolutely. And so having services just concentrated there, you're not really going to hit everybody. I'm like, yo, there's two gay bars on the main drag in White Center across the street from each other. So I'm just saying, like, if you... I didn't know that. Yeah, there's the Lumberyard and Swallow. Like, they're across the street from each other. And <laughs> so the if there's, like, if there's <laughs> well, enough... I'm just saying, in White Center, like, if there's enough, like, you know, queer people to, like, support two bars across the street from each other, which both of them are packed always. Um, well, with a name you know. like Swallow. So I, I, I can tell you this story. So my... Um, Sorry, Mother Tinsley. I know you're listening. Yeah, my okay. uh, biological father, who didn't raise me, um, was married uh, to this wonderful man. And he told me what, uh, driving to Seattle in 1976, he had uh, driven up with a friend of his who was gay, um, and they were going to Seattle because it was a better place than Pittsburgh um, um, for a gay man. And he was in Ellensburg, and he parks his car, and a man runs out of the um, diner, 19, I think it was 1976, and said, are you gay? <laughs> just like and, ran and, up to him. You and, look and, gay. And and he said, and I, I'll give it to, uh, you know, him. Um, he said, yes, yes, I am. And he said, oh, my God, I'm gay, too. I didn't think there was another one of us. Wow. Right? And you think about this, like 1976. like So the idea that, like, gay culture is a metropolitan culture or gay culture is No, that's just what everyone gravitated to because it was a safe place. And it felt safe. Yes. I mean, you know, like there's plenty of like gay people in Idaho and, you know, lots of my family members who left early on because it was dangerous for them there and they went to San Francisco and like all these different places and that's where they are now and they never left. 
Yeah, so. but I mean, I think this idea that, like, you know, whether, like, Capitol Hill somehow, we just, Seattle had a lot of people who, like, born and raised gay, you know, or, you know, quote, unquote, and, like, you know. I was born and raised gay. <laughs> born just and raised so you know. Gay. Yeah. Um, you know, you have, uh, mm. you know, that, that, but they come there because there's, you know, they congregated in a place that was safer. And now, yeah. as the city becomes safer, shockingly enough, uh, gay culture becomes a city culture. I mean, is it safer, though? Mm. Well, I, I mean, just to, to your point, when I first moved to Seattle, um, you know, I, I went to school up on Capitol Hill. So you weren't born here, just for the record? Uh, just for oh the record, goodness. I am not the unicorn tonight. No. Thank you, Shiloh. <laughs> um, but no, um, Capitol Hill was such a draw um, as a young gay, yeah. thinking like, oh my gosh, my people are here. Um, I can be I can be myself. I can be free. This is great. This is wonderful. And as I have moved... Um, Often on the hill over the last twenty something years, um, it, it's changed. Um, the oh, demographic has changed. Yeah. The, certainly, the price of living has changed. Um, you know, the uh, sort of the the spikes or the ups and downs of, of violence towards LGBTQ plus uh, communities ha- has gone up and down. Um, so it's it's that sort of ebb and flow of city development. So. It's just not a specific, like, I think it's still, you know, it's still like, okay, that's, you know, whatever. But I don't, it's not like a specific neighborhood anymore. And I think it's funny that it's like, yes, Capitol Hill's where the gay people are. like Right. And I, I just um, want to point out, because no. I think it is awesome <laughs> that we started off talking about Mike Pence. And have and we have come full circle, degraded to the gays, or gone up to the gays. I was like, we have not degraded. I don't think isn't that the same subject. We have leveled right. up. Isn't we have leveled up? Oh my goodness! I'm just, I mean, I'm just does, meeting him where he's at. He yeah. does have really good hair. Oh no, he does not. Really, Whoa. we're gonna go straight into stereotypes from but, that moment. <laughs> right. Here we go. No, but yeah, it's a yeah. So it's like on that subject, you know, talking about like how you know there's been a lot of like doing expansion and like doing these different things in the north and south end of king county and like all these different places because that's where people generally are Mm -hmm. you know and yeah like we still have our services downtown like you know the base services but like the mobile services i think are growing and the numbers are growing and there's there's a lot of things yeah and there's a lot of things going on at the north end and the south end you know and yeah i think it's uh, those people didn't have services for a long time they just sort of I think we've realized that centralizing a community never works, right? Yeah. Right. Like, like you know, there's no population of people that just access point can be one spot. Well, right? I mean, you know, that goes that does go into stigma because you have that's because you have people who were like making all these decisions who had no connection to the population that they were serving and didn't know anything about it. So they're like, yeah, we'll just put it here and that'll be good forever. <laughs> You know, and then I think there was this really long time where it was like, okay, we have these, you know, we have this exchange here and this exchange here. And it's like, okay, so downtown and Capitol Hill in the U District covers everything. Well, like, and, and, no. and, 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 and that's everybody. And for the history lesson here is they, oh, they, made, uh, <laughs> they made a Bob put ribbons on his syringes um, to oh, prove that, 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 thing. That, that prove that his, that because the, 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 Public health department said that all, all drug users were can access in downtown and didn't need all these other uh, frivolous uh, services. Frivolous. And, and so they, he had to put a ribbon and prove that the most of the needles that went out in the U District came back in the U District, meaning the access point was the U District, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Not shocking. Yeah. Um, but um, Weird. People don't travel miles and miles to, like, get their <laughs> services. What? Right. <Yeah. laughs> 
And um, so, um, you know, and, and that, like, so the idea that they, Udistrick was like one of the set things, that was, that was actual a fight to get to that point. No, totally. I'm just like in comparison to, you know, what, probably what really needed to happen like a long time ago was like, okay, let's have a bunch of different little hubs all over the place, you know? I mean, but that's, you know, that's how things go. You play catch up instead of doing things beforehand. Well, um, yeah, I mean, treatment too is a great example. Oh, if, yeah. If you, if all of your treatment for this county is in downtown Seattle and you don't have a car and you live in not Seattle, uh-huh. it can be, you know, an hour commute to access treatment. Easy. And, and if you have to be in that place, let's say every day, like a methadone clinic. Yeah. Right. At like yeah. six, five, five thirty, six o'clock in yeah. the morning. Yeah. Really I mean, that, that can be like, you know, really a four hours of your day every day. Possibly right? more if you live on the south, south end. Like, oh, yeah. there's nothing on the south Are you end. Are Yeah. There's nothing on the east side. There's nothing on the south end. Methadone, like methadone style. Mm. Like, the Suboxone, the Suboxone is better, a little more n- available, but it's not as... Stuff, yeah, 10 years ago, that, that wasn't even on oh, the map. No, oh, no. It wasn't yeah. even on the map. And if you don't have access to uh, a, a vehicle that's reliable sure. or an alarm clock that's reliable or a friend that can drive you that's reliable... I mean, are the buses always reliable? No. I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, but you know how if you go to dose on methadone and you show up like two minutes late, things aren't looking good for you. Right. You're, you know, you're out of luck for that day. And, and then that's bad. That's that's a red mark on your and, you know, you only get so many of those before you're kicked off the program. And luckily, I think that we're we're in an, an age where there is movement to be less punitive. Yeah, for folks there is. And realizing that, like. Um, a, a person is an individual with individual circumstances, and mm-hmm. so how do we help you get to where you want to be? But that's a huge systems change that is is like iceberg. Shifting. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you got old schoolers who aren't right. going to budge on that, and you have people coming in who are new are all about fluidity. So, and then you have people who can accept the change and like go with that, but. You know, you're always going to have folks who are like, no, we need to do it this way. We've always done it this way. This is how we're doing it. Here's the rule. You know, and yep. so that's, you know, and when you hammer that into someone for so long, like, these are the rules. This is what we're doing. Like, of course, they're going to, you know, of course, they're not going to want to budge later. They're like, no, this is how we do it. Like, this is the way we Humans do it. You don't fit in boxes. <clears throat> yeah. Well, when you're not connected to the population you're serving, when you don't know anything about them, you're going to put them in a the box. And you're right. not going to think that there are different people. You're going to be like, all drug users do this one thing, and this is how they are, and this is what we need to do in order to keep them on track and keep them, you know, coming here. And we have to make them jump through hoops, and we have to make them do this, or they won't show up, and they won't do this. And it's all these assumptions before anything has even happened. So the whole thing is set up with the assumption that you're going to mess it up, or you're going to, and just kind of set up fail. to fail, yeah. really. Like, you know, so I think... It is good that we're talking about that these and trying to move away from that, you know, because I mean, in the more classic uh, treatment centers and that sort of thing, I know there's always been like radical stuff out there, but you know, I think it's it's true with like, you know, like CDPs and like the whole uh, like mental health facilities and that sort of thing. They have kind of a sa- the same uh, stigmas about drug users as you know like a lot of the old school methadone clinics and that sort of thing, which well, is the, changing, but... The, the community clinics didn't want to do uh, substance abuse services. Yeah. Right? You know, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the low-income uh, clinics didn't want to provide Suboxone, didn't want to provide 
these services right. and, and saw them as problematic. I mean, that should tell you, like, the one place you could go to for basic health care this yeah. town didn't want to access, didn't want to serve you, right? For, like, basic health care for people who, like, don't have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Or have 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 lives and, mm-hmm. and other issues that totally. prohibit them from being sort of the perfect patient. Yeah, and well, I mean, I think everybody can attest to if you're not if you're not even using drugs and you're the perfect patient, you still if you don't show up on time, if something goes weird wrong, if you ask for a certain type of medication, all these things, you know, I mean, it's already a system that's like, I don't know, pretty set up to. For you to fail and also then if you want something or you need something you have to go through your insurance company and ask them permission and this whole time you've you're sick or you've got whatever's happening you know but that's a whole other that's a whole other thing but yeah i mean it goes right into it i mean if you're going to be like that when you're assuming people aren't using drugs and then you're like oh we're going to provide services for people who use drugs like they're absolutely going to fail like we we don't even we're not even going to do that they're going to be in here like wrecking the place and doing all kinds of stuff, you know. Right, disrupting service. I remember back in the day, not too far back in the day, um, talking. I'm not that old. <laughs> I have a couple extra gray hairs, but I'm not that old. Um, but I remember not too long ago um, talking with providers that were offering like hepatitis C treatment, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That were like, well, we don't we don't treat active drug. That was like two years ago. It was not that long ago. I know. <laughs> Just saying. Um, and that it's like, well, because um, they can't do treatment adherence, um, they can't make appointments, yeah. um, they can't do this, they can't do that, and it's like that's. You haven't even tried. That's so generalizing <laughs> a whole variety of different people that mm-hmm. have a specific disease and um, happen to be using drugs. Like, yeah. why not individualize the treatment? Why not make it open and work with people? And again, as you were saying, you know, not necessarily like we're setting you up to, to fail because we have all these rules and all these barriers and all these boundaries. But like, how can we make it so that you can succeed in this? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, let's if this is an issue, then let's change it so you can succeed. I mean... I would hate to think that people want folks to fail. You know, I would I would right. want to think that they would want folks to succeed and whatever that means, because that's also like a that can be a very fluid term, like whatever success means to one person is absolutely not what it means to another person. You and know? especially I think when we're talking about like the <clears throat> medical community, success for um, a provider you know, has been hammered in through years and years and of medical school and residencies and blah, blah, blah. You, you diagnose, you treat, um, then this is your outcome. Versus, like, what about the patient? What about yeah. the person that's coming to seek health? What are, what are their goals? What, are, what is success for them? And yeah. really, like, changing the, the conversation um, so that it's sort of a win-win for both, right? Like, okay, I can do my medical piece um, and get you healthier, but I can also maybe try to help guide you and address some of the needs that you're really wanting to focus on. So are you on. saying you need to meet them where they're at mm. and I, try to give uh, so. give the best life you can for someone? And possibly yeah. serve the entire person instead of one thing? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm picking up what you guys are throwing down. Word. <laughs> well, and, you know, I think it, for me it's about quality of life. Yeah. Right? Um, and I don't think there's a person out there that like fully listens to any doctor no. Um, and trust me, I've talked to doctors. Everybody lies to their doctor. Mm-hmm. How many alcoholic drinks do you have per week? Does anybody ever one and answer a half. that? Yeah, I have one alcoholic drink per week. And yeah, I, I quit smoking no. ten years ago. Yeah, so and that's I what I'm saying. Every day. Every day. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, is time. is um, exercise that donut you have in the morning? 
I, you know, I am not a donut person. Neither am I. Um, Don't surprisingly, like because I have my own built-in donut. <laughs> um, but no, I, I in college, I was a big donut fiend because um, I got paid once a month. I was working in recycling mm-hmm. um, at Seattle University. Shout out to them. Um, and I had no money. But the QFC that was by my apartment had um, 54 set donuts. Ooh. So every day on That'll my way to work, going all day. I would get two, one on the way, one to eat on the way to work, and one for mid, middle of the day. So, so I, that's my donut story. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm with it. I growing Sprinkled up, I, I spent a lot of time in drop-in centers when I was young, and they always had stale pastries. Yes. Um, oh yeah. And um, I just fell in love with uh, stale pastries. In fact, when once when I had the opportunity, I was in Israel and I bought a bagel. I told them that there's something wrong because this bagel was soft. This is not stale enough. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with this bagel? And, and the guy told it's me literally crunchy. to get out of his shop. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I, um, I do that. Um, no shade because I know Mother Tinsley is listening. Um, but Mother, Tis- Mother Tinsley is a wonderful, awesome woman. Um, raised two great kids. Um, as a, as about a single mom. Here. I know. I know what's happening. Um, ran for um, uh, residential drug treatment facilities. One that was uh, for folks that were dual diagnosed. So, like, wonderful, God sent woman. Not the best cook. Ooh. And I love, I love her. I love her to pieces. <laughs> no, um, you did. But usually, On your mother. Usually, and she would say this. She would say this. She would totally okay. admit this. Um, as long as she's in agreement. Usually, when she'd be cooking, um, she'd also be talking on the phone to Grandma Ruth. Uh, shout out to Grandma Ruth, who does not know how to use technology to listen to us. Um, but. Things would get a little bit burnt and get oh, a little bit yeah. of crust to something. Get distracted. So usually when when folks are cooking, they're like, "Oh, this one's burnt." I'm like, "Well, I'll take that." And then I have just it's a little sweet fine. moment to Mother Tinsley in my mind, like, this "Like this is good. This is so this, this is so burnt. This is like homemade. This <laughs> yeah, is good. This is how homemade stuff tastes burnt." <laughs> so are you a big fan of um, blackened seasons? Yes. Yeah. Ah, see, yeah. you got a taste for so it. So see, I didn't know yeah. that she was actually introducing me to a whole new culinary experience. So she was expanding your palate at a young age. That's good. Yeah, that's good. good. And just so you know, they still have those stale pastries at the food bank. They mm-hmm. still exist. They're still there. They're oh, yeah. still around. If you're looking for qual- quality I had one stale. this morning. If you're looking for the quality stale. <laughs> it was a blueberry muffin. It was a, It was like on the cusp of, uh. I was like, okay. Oh, Pretty sure that blue is blueberry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, speaking of Indiana, though, because most people know I have celiac disease, um, which means I can't have gluten. Um, there was a gluten-free uh, donut shop near uh, where we were, our Airbnb was, and every morning I got seven donuts. Oh my god. Um, and, Whoa. And and then like I would go back for two more. Oh my there, gosh, that's a lot of donuts. Nine donuts a day. Oh, trust me. I think I was you doing, have a problem. I, I Can we have an intervention <laughs> about this? Like, Actually, oh I think goodness. Hot Mike has something to say to you. Yeah, that's not okay, <laughs> Put man. Put down the donut, Shiloh. <laughs> donuts down. Um, no, um, I was also, you know, totally food uh, food moment. I also did a steak and egg, a double steak and eggs. So this goes, uh, <laughs> th- this goes... This goes into the whole addiction realm. Yeah. So, <laughs> you have a donut problem. I, I have a, a food problem because I when I travel, I can tell you that I love food and I love expanding my palate. And so anytime I can eat something, I just like totally engage it. I've like, um, I literally was in the airport and had airport uh, in Dallas airport brisket. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> you are a brave soul. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there on that. <laughs> like, um, what the heck? So pull it. I'm gonna pull it back. Okay. Pull it back over so, from airport brisket. Yeah, we're to, going back. So we were. Uh, we started with the check-in. Mm. We want to finish. Oh, the oh, we're gonna, okay. <laughs> we're How back. you doing? 
I'm I'm all right. <laughs> Hi. Uh, no, yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm I'm not great, but whatever. Um, but you're here. You've been I'm there. here. Um, Share some time with. Yeah. Friends. The last show we did was awesome. We talked about sex worker stuff, and we had the amazing Rachel here, and we had a rousing conversation um, about about sex worker stuff. Might have been, I don't know if Mother Tinsley was listening, but it could have been maybe a little bit like rated R at some points. Um, <laughs> but uh, luckily, no. NC seventeen. Mother Tinsley uh, talked to you about um, maybe some X-rated material. Uh, we did not because we were we were all. Oh, <laughs> so that, we did right, not listen right. to the show that night. But um, what? You know, know, we have an archive. Also, shout out to the archive. Yeah, you can Hot go Mike and www.kodxseattle.org and you can look up three to one radio and all the shows we've ever done are totally on there. And you can and you can look them up and, and you can, can rank them, from them best to worst. Yeah, on our Facebook page. And on our Facebook look, page. Did you notice everyone? Hot Mike spoke. He's not, not on, on mic. He's not on mic. So, so what, he, what he really sounded like was, yeah, oh, baby. Yeah. I'm oh, my mic. goodness. I, I have to keep pulling this back. This I know. is crazy. <laughs> I'll do my quick check-in. Um, <clears throat> I'm doing well. Um, as, um, so nothing significant happened to you, right? You, know, you just got sick a lot? Is that what happened? Well, like, you know, I got really sick um, <clears throat> and then was brought back um, by... Maybe some mouth-to-mouth happened? A little bit of mouth-to-mouth. <laughs> um, I got married. Oh my gosh, that's right, you did. I can't believe I forgot that. So, um, Scott, Yay. who should be listening, uh, along with Colonel Spencer, um, uh, the two of us, I won't say that Colonel Spencer came with us, but we flew off to Las Vegas and did a surprise wedding. You, you did a Vegas, you, you officially they, eloped. Yeah. We, t- we officially did. eloped. They I did, did wish you a happy day on Facebook, and I, I think I also it. sent you a message, but I did totally like forget <laughs> in between then and now. But yay, congratulations. So yeah, so that was my big news. Somebody's got the old ball and chain up in here. Yeah, it's a nice nice big ball and chain. Hey. So, hey, Scott. Scott is lovely. He's a good kid. Yes. Um, Technically, his better half. Definitely. Definitely my better half. And and he has the dinosaur uh, lockdown. Yes, he does. Um, He was actually wearing his dinosaur shirt today. Or one of his dinosaur shirts today. Nice. He only has one? No, he's got. You gotta get with it, hubby. No, he's got <laughs> a couple of button downs and a couple of t-shirts. But yeah, and yeah, we'll spill all of our tea tonight. Not all of it. Um, but yeah, back to our regular back to, program. Back to conversations that we're having. <laughs> um, yeah, I. It was really funny the other. Day. I was just, just like a random. It's not really random, but the score jail, the score jail on the south end of mm. King County. Um, I don't know if y'all read that crazy article about that that woman having like a total mental breakdown and dying in there and she was like in her cell for four days and nobody went in there and I didn't did and, see something about that. so yeah i don't know i i don't know it just popped into my head and i was like man that is uh so i started i don't know you know when something gets on your radar and then you start hearing about it all the time you know mm-hmm. uh so i started well, i was like God, that was just a terrible that was a terrible story like it was it was awful i did post it on my facebook um but it was just they had video footage it was just it was a nightmare. It was awful. But so, you know, thinking about that, that day I was doing outreach and people were just like talking about score, the score jail, like a lot. And I was like, do, do people always talk about the score jail and I'm not paying attention or it's just on my radar now. But uh, is it in the air? I don't know. People were like saying some pretty gnarly things. And I had to also like reassure them that the score van was not 
the score jail did not <laughs> operate the score van, which Appreciate is a South that. King yeah. County mobile exchange, because that was a thing that people were thinking. Um, and just so anyone thinks that, it's not true. So And fun fact, so I've read, because um, I, I read a lot, um, the score van, which stands for South King County... Outreach. For South County Outreach Referral and Exchange, exchange yeah. actually um, sort of came up with that moniker um, before the score jail. That is such a long, long, well, long, you know, you know, some, org- out thing. some or- organizations like to have uh, <clears throat> I know. acronyms and names. We love acronyms. And some That's of them right. just exactly. call themselves the North and East King County Delivery Service because they're <laughs> super lazy and they spend their time and energy on the direct service and not the naming of things. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, back to the score. So back to the score. Yeah. So, so no, I just, I was just, I was just curious, like the, you know, and then of course in classic me, I started looking, looking up stuff about the South King County, uh, the score jail or whatever, and like. The, there's a lot of like nightmare stories from that place. And then I started talking to friends of mine who had been in there, uh, same, like terrible stories. I, I just was like, I don't know if you all had heard of anything from there or like had an opinion on it or I don't know. You know, I've not heard of too many people having too many good experiences. In uh, jail, in, 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 jail in, in particular. Yeah, in, in general. In general, right. yeah. Um, <clears throat> not jail, not fun. No, right. no, Hashtag. I understand that. Um, but not anything um, real specific to score. But I think it, it sort of broke. For me, it, it's a sort of a larger question around incarceration, um, incarceration, <laughs> the yeah. criminal justice system, sort of drug policy <clears throat> in general, sure. and how that um, can really, um, you know, mess with people and, and really mess up their lives in terms of how punitive oh, it yeah. can be for like mere possession or uh, paraphernalia laws or uh, yeah. even the suspicion that you've got something <clears throat> on you that, you know, gives uh, officers the right to stop and, and mess with you. Good old stop and frisk. I was, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say frisk, but then that another F word came in my Ooh, mind. And I was like, not that. I'm not doing it. I'm not um, doing it. Yeah, no, I just, like, just a quick spin back to that story or something <laughs> just popped in my head. Um, the original reason she was taken to score was because her she was having a um, like a I don't know if she had bi- bi- bipolar disorder I think it was uh, anyway she was having she was having a moment as we call it um, and her husband had called the police which we all know is a mistake in when you're dealing with mental illness because it never ends well um, <clears throat> just basically saying that she needed help um, she needed to maybe go. Um, into some sort of mental health facility, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and the police took her to the score jail. So she literally hadn't, like, broken the law or anything. She just had, she was just having issue. some issues. And her husband was scared. And now he's, she's dead. So, like, uh, you know, and so I think, and also to, to point out that they were both, um, you know, they're both, uh, I think they're Hispanic. And the woman, I don't believe, spoke much English and the same with the husband um I mean I don't know how much exactly like I said I'm kind of loosely but they were both definitely like ESL and I wonder you know there's these communication things you know I wonder if they're I don't know I feel like when 911 gets a call I wonder if it's like hey I need you know this sort of thing and I can't speak perfect English or maybe I'm inebriated or something's happening 
And then they just are like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't know what they mean. I'm going to send the cops. You know, I wonder. I wonder. Who may not be skilled in dealing yeah. with de-escalation right. or service brokerage. I also think, you know, language can be complicated because there mm-hmm. are thousands of languages spoken. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Um, and so finding the interpreter system, oh, yeah. um, um, you know, that to be perfectly honest, that could take hours, I'm sure. Yeah. And, you know, and I... Especially depending on what time of day or oh, night yeah. it was. And what yeah. language. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. You know. Absolutely. But I think, you know, but I, but I mean, especially in a, like, port city, you know, you're going to have a lot more languages than somewhere else. Um, I mean, just, you know, I just, like, the whole thing was just basically a failure at, like, many different levels. Yeah, it was, right? it's heartbreaking. I mean, anyone yeah. who dies <laughs> needlessly in uh, our state's custody is a complete crying shame, um, you know, and it's heartbreaking that someone lost their life. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, I just, you know, it's that, it's thinking about that, like, how every, there were so many stops. That she would have made on the, you know, there was like nine one one. There was the police that came to the house. There was, you know, the ride there. There was like checking her in. There was like putting her in, and then apparently some medical people saw her. So you know, there was all these stops, and there was nothing done. You know, so I mean, just wrapping that around, like you know, I think about that within drug policy and with people who use drugs. I think a lot of the time, they people who use drugs and people who have like you know mental illness problems and stuff. Mm-hmm. And also those things go together a lot of the time. Um, you know, I, I, I think that sometimes they get wrapped up in the system and the original reason isn't even anything that's quote unquote illegal. It's just like, oh, you are having an episode or, you know, you are obviously inebriated in public and it starts there. And then, you know, you get in jail and maybe something happens, maybe you get in a fight and then they add time and then. All these things happen. It goes on your record, and it just—it's like this snowballing effect that originated from literally nothing, you know. And I think definitely we all know people who that's happened to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just this—it just piles on and piles on. You know, there's fines, and you can't pay the fines, and then you have to go to court, and then well, you can't I mean, make it to court, and then you get a warrant, and then you can't access services. I, I mean, mean, think of how many people we know <clears throat> that we serve just are consistently go to jail for failure to appear. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and it's, it's a waste of taxpayers' mo- money to go and track them all down. Yeah. You know. And it's such a horrible way to, to sort of further ostracize somebody sure. who's going through, you know, fill in the blank. Right? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, I can't, I can't go here because mm-hmm. they may run my name. Yeah. Um, I, I can't go downtown where yeah. more of the services are, are there to access because so-and-so and so-and-so, <clears throat> officer so-and-so and officer so-and-so know me. And every time I walk by them, they stop me and... You know, I mean, it's real. Like, it's, you know, I I mean, like, I've had, like, people who, like, I serve when I'm talking to them, like, that something will happen or, like, you know, like, one instance was, like, this woman's partner had, like, brutalized her and I was, like, what can we do? Like, and she didn't want to call anybody because she had a warrant and so it was, like, this situation that just <coughs> sucked and, like, you know, so, like, I went there and then it got settled but, like, you know, the whole thing is like, that's not okay. If somebody has a warrant and then they're in a situation where they're, you know, their life is possibly threatened and they can't ask for help because they have this warrant or they're mm-hmm. scared to. I mean, I don't know. I just Same goes for folks that are undocumented. 
Right? True. Where, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. horrible things are happening to them, <clears throat> but they, they fear mm-hmm. reaching out or, or accessing help because then, then they have to deal with a whole other list of things that, yeah. that is unfair um, well, and, it's a, and terrible. I mean, drug users, same thing. You know, like, why would you call the police if you were a drug user? Like, I mean, I don't call the police. Like, I, you know, to be real. Like, <laughs> but I, you know, like... Why would you call for help uh, from somebody who will, could also possibly incarcerate you or, you know, do something like that? You know what I mean? Well, like, I think the stat I've read that one third of the uh, low income people who call the police go to jail for calling them. Yeah. Um, and right. from, from the circumstances around them. Calling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think, you know, I think it's it's. I think we are in a, it's a complicated place because I think there are also different levels of trust in uh, authority and systems from of different course. communities. Yeah, um, definitely. And so, you know, getting back to that Capitol Hill, like Pride March, mm-hmm. I've seen the police march in that and the community being fairly supportive uh, of the police being there and they see them uh, in a predominantly white. But yeah, uh, but I've also so. seen uh, certain communities within the gay community being like, Oh hell no! Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. What are they doing here? Those people brutalized us. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, it, so I think it's, I think it's a level of, of trust uh, in the system. I think they're yeah. you know working in health prevention, talking to older um, black men, mm-hmm. um, and trying to deliver services. They will tell you about the ski experiments and the fact sure. that government and the CDC were experimenting on them and they don't trust anything, you know, and, 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 they? and they, for <laughs> you to even get a test, they want to see you open up the needle there, the, you know, that is, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's uh, true. That true. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and you know, like early in the syringe chain services, there were African-American men who wanted single individual wrapped syringes. Yeah. Um, so they could open them up. Right. Not the 10 pack. Not yeah. the 10 packs. Not, not the, the singles. Not, yeah. yeah. You know, and so, you know, I think it's the level of trust um, sure. that happens. Um, and, you know, community-based programs typically have a higher trust factor because they've developed through the community. Sure. Right? Um, yeah. And, you know... You well, know, they're not attached to... Go- I mean, whether they're this or that, or that, they're just not attached to government. And they're like, okay, that's well, better. <laughs> well, I mean, or you know... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, you think about, like, um, you know, when the U District, I was born and raised in this neighborhood... I, I grew up within the streets in this neighborhood, and so accessing a program that I'm attached to. Sure. If you're a form, if you're a homeless person in this neighborhood, you're gonna have someone's gonna at least be able to ga- gauge mm-hmm. a connection to me, right? Yeah. Um, where if you're just a brand new program and you maybe be funded by the government, and you don't have you you hire people through outside the community, no one knows who you are. Yeah. Right. So we don't people don't know if they can trust you now. You might be a great trustworthy service, and it'll take a decade for you to build that trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, and I mean, my my point was with pointing out like the, you know, if you if you've been like, you know, if you had tests done on you by the government or different things, ha- or your neighborhoods <laughs> bombed and things like that, um, you know, and then you are going to access access a service. And it is government ran and you have the option, should I go to this one or should I go to the one that is not affiliate? You know, you're going to pick this. I wonder on, you know, so I do think like in that regard, definitely like, you know, community based programs are important in that regard and being in the community and that sort of thing. But also just wondering, like, 
further beyond that with all the other sort all the things you have to do that are involved in government you have to go you know if you want a license if you want this if one thing doesn't happen you can't do any of the other things right so if you're like i don't want them to track me i don't want this i don't want to i don't want an id i don't want that you don't get an id you can't do anything else you can't even access a lot of services Right, and I think you know. just to play the devil's advocate, because I feel like we always have one in the Be- group because that, it's that not plays Shiloh the devil's advocate. Um, I think that there are some government pro- government run programs um, that that take all that into consideration. Yeah, and try to um, meld or 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 form their services to to model that in such a way that um, it's not so scary to come in. Yeah, there aren't those those extra hurdles, or you need this to do this, or you need this to do this. But like, hey, I'm just here, totally. and, and I may not be um, necessarily from the community, but I have good love, great love and respect for the community. Sure. And so I want to treat you as the expert, and you guide me. No, I get that. Like, I'm not saying. Um, basically, what I'm saying is like that. I totally lost my train of thought because I had some real good. It was good. It was, a good <laughs> it was real good. Like the man. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh no. You okay. Gotta, so oh, I, got I, got I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Here it is. It's back. No, okay. it's not. It's not like some crazy thing. It's just like, um, no. Basically, say, you know, it's like, like you were saying, Shiloh, like rebuilding that trust. I mean, that that's the point. It's like something that's like, okay, we trust this, but. You know, when you, it's like going to the doctor for people who use drugs. Like, um, like as a colleague of ours always says, Louise, like, she's like, that relationship is broken and you it cannot be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> and she's right. Like, it's, and, you know, it's going to be generational. Like, until people who use drugs are going to trust the medical system in any way because they've been treated so awful by it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, so, and, same thing. It's just like, it's, uh, I think it's good that government, uh, agencies are trying to do that, but also it will be like, you know, multi generational. Yeah, thing. it can be an uphill battle. It takes years to build yeah. the trust, and it takes seconds to lose it. Right, exactly. And, and I think that that's, basically that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> so well said. Well yes. said. Thanks. <laughs> Shout out to our amazing half corn because you're from Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm an potatoes. Arab from Idaho. Weird. But you're, you are Northwest, <laughs> but just so we're clear, you are Northwesterner because you're from Idaho. Um, yeah. You're not Idaho, from like s- some weird deserty place. Like, hey. oh my God. <laughs> you know, Good call. Idaho is technically part of the Pacific Northwest, but we all know that they're not. Like, they try real. Like, hey, you're pretty, from there. We're trying to include you. Yo, we're like the Midwest. If you go there, you're going to be like, this is more like the Midwest so than Pacific Northwest. I will say, wow. I, I have... I'm trying to include, just to do it, Washington is trying to include Idaho, an Idaho person trying I'm speaking, to include Idaho. I'm speaking my From truth. Personal, right, I, I personally, I went through um, Idaho. I, I, I went the up there. The great state of Idaho. great state oh of Idaho goodness. for a wedding, um, and it was um, a car full of um, three African-Americans and a Latinx. And hmm. we stopped at one place to get some lunch, mm-hmm. and the guy was like, um, "We're closed." It's like two o'clock in the afternoon. It was about one thirty. <laughs> yeah, we um, don't serve your car. And so here. it was like, "Oh, okay. Well, where, where uh, do you have a place we you recommend we could yeah. go?" I think there's an Italian place down the street. Uh, the Italians be all right with you. So said, well, all right. Well, we will we'll get some Italian. We'll food. just get some 7-Eleven food. <laughs> get back in the car and keep going. And keep like going super quick. 
And there was also, I think, right before we got into um, Boise, mm-hmm. um, there was like the stereotypical um, gas station. That was like an old timey gas station. Oh yeah, with like dirt and one of those. Um, I love the old, wicker, yeah, blowy things. What they got it? those. Um, yeah, and so like we we pulled up and I looked around. And I was like, this is ding, the beginning ding, ding. of a slasher yeah. film. So we're not getting gas. House of here. a Thousand Corpses <laughs> no, is about to happen. I love those old places, especially and and one of my biggest favorite thing on those is, is like mom and pop diners because it is like. You either hit it and it's like, like the most the amazing thing in eggs. the world, or <laughs> it is like there's some like total missed shots. And you're yeah. Like, Whoa, okay. Like we there's need some to eat and go wax now. stuff going on in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Boise is like the sort of like uh, quote unquote liberal mecca the in Idaho. And I mean, like, uh, like Coeur d'Alene, nah. It's close to Spokane, but no, I've never been on board with that one. I think it's just Boise. I think it was close <laughs> to Coeur d'Alene is where we went for the wedding. Oh, so and- then it wouldn't have been Boise. Because that's the south. But we didn't go through Western. Spokane. I no, don't remember. It was, it was probably Boise. Ago. If you came through like Washington, Oregon, and then into Idaho, and it was like there was no trees for a really long time. Yes. Yeah, that was Boise. <laughs> no trees for a really long time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it's real. But no, I mean, it. It. yeah, it is like the liberal mecca. I mean, you know, uh, it's one of the safe havens <laughs> in the entire state. And that luckily, that's where I grew up around. Um, yeah, you know. Every state needs to have one. Um, yeah. I want to do something. I was born and raised in Seattle, for the record. We know. This is yeah. Really? Home. How Unicorn. many times have you mentioned that? Yeah. <laughs> the, just this show. Yeah. Mm. Um, one thing that I'd like to do, because we're, we're running short on time, mm-hmm. um, but this is the first show that the three of us have been together <clears throat> uh, um, yes. in 2020. And so here we are, 2020. Who thought that would ever happen? Um, Not me. What? Not Hot Mike. Hot Mike was what? like, this is going to be a flash in the pan. <laughs> Like, I'll give this to you, but you guys are going to just, like, drown, in, like, in a sink in uh, two shows. And he's like, fuck, they keep coming oh! back. Oh! Yeah, and that was it. Now we're <laughs> off the air forever. And that was not what I was queuing up, folks. <laughs> I saw it in your eyes, the twinkle. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is now that we're in 2020... Um, uh, are there any specific goals or any things that we'd like to see happen in 2020? Um, we could just maybe a, not cuss a, a again. Positive, um, a positive thing? Um, we could, I hope Prof finds a new home before they smash this church into bits. Um, you know, and if you want to donate to us, you can do that at <laughs> www.peoplesharmreductionalliance.org. For now, that's our address, but... I think it's we're about to shorten that. I think so. And no, nice. no donation is too small. That's or large. Yeah, or like, large. Let's Thank you. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, and then the, I just want to plug a thing really quick. Please. Um, then the other thing is, um, I'm doing like a community harm reduction training, which I do once a month um, above Resistancia Coffee in South Park, and there's like a community space up there. Um, I will share the invite on the Facebook. Um, but yeah, I do that once a month. It's uh, February 27th this month. So it's the last two Thursday. Thursday. Last Thursday of the month, every month. Yeah, from 7 to 9. And so, like, Narcan will be available, that sort of stuff. But, like, you can come and learn about, you know, harm reduction and that. And then we'll, like, generally we'll have a discussion about, like, I think this first one is going to be about, like, drug war and that sort of stuff and just, like, how harm reduction came about. And then every month it'll be, like, 
you know, there'll be like a guest person. So maybe we'll have like some sex workers there one time and then maybe another time we'll talk about, you know, um, I don't know, uh, incarceration, have people that. So just like social issues that are connected to harm reduction and also connected, you know, just to our community and what's going on there. So anyway, just want to plug that. Okay. So that's happening. And again, I'll share it on that page. So you can uh, all come. One of the things that I would love to see uh, in 2020 is um, more access to um, syringe uh, service programs, um, not yeah. only in the core of the city of Seattle, but also in the North End and uh, the South End and, and the, the East, East Side. side. Um, <laughs> I think that would be awesome so that just folks can get the services that they need to be safe and healthy. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm not hoping for a baby. Sorry, Scott. Um, well, neither am I. I'm, so, okay. I'm suddenly sad about you not having babies. I, they would be adorable babies. Yes, but they would. I don't know who would birth that. Well, you don't look at me. No, no surrogate over here. I'm good. <laughs> I, you know, one of the things I hope for this year um, is I know we're going to a big election. I know there's going to be a lot of intense emotions. But mm -hmm. I would like everyone to remind them that we all have things in common rather than uh, demonize people. And there's lots of people who have lots of beliefs. Um, and, you know, let, let's try to find a world where they everyone can fit in there. And I think it's important going forward that we try to heal our country and try to build bridges than to divide. And I think people who are being mean-spirited and being cruel i think you should people should try to engage less and people who are trying to build bridges i think that those are what i hope people can spend their energy on um because i i love the places i live in and i love the community i live in and i feel like we've just been a really angry place um and i would like us to get out of that angry place and look for what we can do better to help our community. That is well, well said. Word. Yeah, I think <laughs> also just a quick shout out um, to Mother Tinsley. Um, oh yeah, there She it is. is a leap year baby. <laughs> oh. Um, so this year she has a birthday. So she's young. She's very young. <laughs> um, probably that's why the cooking's not so good. Oh my goodness. Um, so I am going down to visit her so she's at like the end a, of this month. A tween uh, mother? Yep. <laughs> no, I think she's 18 this year. 19. Oh my goodness. So happy birthday, Mother Tinsley. Also, happy birthday, Mother Tinsley. Happy birthday. Also, Carrie Narcan. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>